is there anybody out there? You, you would probably figure you'd get a, a variety of answers to the question, right? You could probably turn to your neighbor and ask, is there anybody out there? And you might get a variety of answers in this room. But some of the answers that people would give uh, or do give are answers like, no, no, there's not. There's no one out there. We're just here. We're, we live, we die, and it's over. Some people would say that. You might know some people who think that, right? Anybody? Yeah? Maybe you've talked to somebody who thinks that way, that there's nothing after this. It's just, just end of everything. Others might say, others have said and will say that they believe that there is something out there, a force, maybe some supernatural power that's out there, right? The force is out there, some some power, something that maybe got it all going, but not very personal. And so some people might give you that answer, right? Maybe, maybe, right? There might be some power out there, but they don't have any real desire to get to know who it is or what it is. If you fell in a hole, a deep hole, and you lived, you might yell back up, is there anybody out there, right? Most likely. That's a good phrase to say. Uh, There was a song not long ago that had these lyrics in it. Is there anybody out there? Anybody know who that was? Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, Floyd, very good. And some who, uh, in regards to uh, spaceships and aliens, would say, is there anybody out there, right? So lots of different reasons people ask the question, is there anybody out there? But scriptures declare a number of answers to our question this morning. Is there anybody out there? And and that's what we're most interested in and what the scriptures have to say about this question, is there anybody out there? So the universe, number one, the universe, the universe itself screams out the creator is out there. Okay, it doesn't matter where you go. You know, you can't go like anywhere in the world without seeing the hand of God, right? I mean, really, you go wherever you might go on vacation or if you go to the beach or you go to, uh, you know, to the Grand Canyon or you go to the mountains, wherever you go, you cannot go anywhere and, and look out and not see the hand of God. And I wonder this morning, is there anybody who would like to testify to that this morning? Where have you been that you have seen the hand of God in creation? Anybody? Where? Yes? Niagara Falls. Yes. Incredible. Powerful. Yes, where? Your yard. (laughs) Okay, beautiful. Yeah, just looking out at that pond, fish jumping. Yeah, beauty, beauty. The the trees, yes, Dan. The Grand Canyon, beautiful. I mean, how do you look at that and go, man, there's a God. Where else? Anybody else go anywhere else ever? The Alps? Did you say you went to the Alps? Nice, that's cool. So that must be a breathtaking view when you get up there. Yelps. Plenty of places, the Rocky Mountains, anywhere you go. I mean, anywhere we go, we, you cannot help but see like a maker, the maker. Somebody with some design and who orchestrated it all and put things together in specific order and the beauty of it all, right? The creation screams out. The universe screams out. If you were to look up into the sky, you know, and just see the stars on a clear night, it's just so magnificent. 
you know, so powerful, so vast, like beyond us. Like, like I didn't do that, right? You didn't do that. We didn't do that. Psalm 19 says this. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You get that? Right? The skies, they proclaim the work of God's hand. You look up into the sky and you just see somebody made this all. Somebody, somebody designed this. Verse 2 says, day after day, day after day, the heavens and the skies, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech and they use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, the words to the ends of the world. Isn't that true? Isn't that so true? You just look out into creation. You just go anywhere you want. Look into the, the forest or the, the trees or the, the oceans, and you see, you go under the ocean, and you see this intense, creative work of God. Right? You know, every, every one of us, raise your hand if you're an exception, every one of us has a mother. Any exceptions in the room? Okay. There are some freak things going out in science, scientific circles. We won't get there. But, but every one of us have a mother, right? We have a mother that, that God designed you within that womb. You know, he made you. He, 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 he formed you like clay. And he made you into this precious child. And, and every one of us were birthed onto this earth through a mother. And in the very same way, Creation has a creator that formed it, that, that made it, that, that took it from nothing and made it into something spectacular, right? And creation itself, the universe itself, screams out to all of us that there is a creator out there. Just look and see. Isaiah 40 says this. Isaiah wrote and he said, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. It's a question mark. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Isn't that amazing? That God, that, that if we just take time to just look we will see the mighty hand of God. Every day, miracles of God take place, right? The earth continues to rotate just like it has because God, God caused it to rotate, right? Every day, the sun is right there where it ought to be, not too close, not too far, right where it ought to be. The stars come out and they shine every night. Gravity is right there in place. And if God ever withheld it from us, we'd be in trouble, right? The rains and the waters fall on the earth and water the plant. And God causes the sun to rise on all things. This, the creation just screams out day after day, minute after minute, that, that the Creator is out there. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? I mean, it's so true. That's just it. Genesis 1 just tells us. 
God created the heavens and the earth. From nothing, he brought about everything, all in like this sequence, perfect sequence, all in perfect order, from formless and void darkness hovering over the deep to created in his very image, right? On day six, God's final work of art. How amazing it is to just look at creation and see it scream back to us, God is out there. And how incredibly arrogant of mankind to think we know better, or to think we know more, or to think that we can explain it all some other way. How, how arrogant of us to assume that we, as people, part of the creation, are like large and in charge. How arrogant of us to ever even go there. Through Job, God said this, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you? Were you there? Did you witness that? He says, tell me, tell me if you have understanding. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. In other words, if you know so much, man, where were you when I laid it all down? Right? And just look around. If you have a magnifying glass, look around and see the hand of God at work. If you have a telescope, look through it and see the mighty work of God. See the detailed order of everything that God created good. And then in contrast to that, notice the chaos of evil. Evil doesn't create, evil destroys. Only God creates. And so the universe, the universe screams out, the universe itself screams out to us, the creator is out there. Next week we're going to talk about the second point. And I like this point. Uh, science declares that God is out there. We're going to skip over that one today. We're going to just hit this one. Paul, number three, Paul declared that the creator is out there, right? So, so creation screams that the creator is out there, and Paul declares that the creator is out there. To the Corinthians, Paul said this, in chapter 8, verse 6. He said, yet for us, there's but one God, the Father from whom, and look what he says, all things came, and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Paul declares that the Creator is out there and that everything was made through God our Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All things that are came to be through Him. It's amazing, isn't it? I want to look at a passage in Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Acts 17. Paul goes to Athens. We're going to look at this passage and make some comments about this. Paul is, Paul is traveling around proclaiming the gospel. And he goes to several places and he runs into uh, persecution and, and attacks and he moves to another place. And Paul is in Athens in, in uh, Acts 17, beginning in verse 16. And there's this awesome passage of scripture that Paul declares probably in one of the most forceful and compelling ways in argument who God is and that God is out there to a group of people who believe just about everything and believe nothing. 
Verse 16, let's read it. While Paul was waiting for them, his companions, to arrive in Athens, that's kind of cool, by the way. He's just hanging out, maybe at the Starbucks, local Starbucks. It says he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Uh, Does that distress you when you look around this world? When you see stuff on TV, does it bother you? I mean, does it like... I hope it doesn't freak us out too much, but it should irritate us to see how sin and idolatry and all this false God stuff and has creeped into our society. It ought to bother us when we see it. You know, you see it and you go, man, that's not right. That's just not right. Don't become, I hope we don't become numb to the sin of the world. You know, I hope that we love people, but we understand that sin is sin and it's wrong. And it always will be, right? Paul's distress. He sees the cities full of idols. So, verse 17, he reasoned in the synagogues with both the Jews, the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. I love that because you know what Paul is doing? Exactly what we talked about last week. Paul is living life on the edge. He has entered into the danger zone. Isn't that cool? I mean, he's just hanging out in Athens, but he sees this stuff going on, and he can't sit still. He's going to get up, and he's going to do something about this. He's going to talk to people. He's going to do something. He can't just sit there and ignore it anymore. He's there in the danger zone. He's about to get even crazier here in a minute. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Okay, so Paul's standing up for the truth, and right away we've got a debate going on. Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him, and they brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. Isn't that nice? Just, you know, share with us this new idea. We haven't heard this before. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Verse 21, all the Athenians And the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. We have a world full of that, don't we? Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you who are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. And then he's about to get into this question. Is there anybody out there? Verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him 
and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. He has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Wow, isn't that awesome? I mean, could you imagine the boldness there of Paul? Would you do that? Like, would you stand up in front of all these people in a town that you don't even ever go to and just start preaching the gospel like that? Man, that's, that, takes, that takes some guts. That takes some courage, right? That takes an, a, a clean understanding of, of the truth of, of what's going to happen to these people if I don't speak up. Right? Right? That's what's going to happen to the people that we know. If we don't speak up, we know where they're headed, right? They're either on a path walking with God or they're on a path walking away from God. There's no other path out there, is there? So note a few things here. Athens is full of idols and people are always looking for something to worship. You notice that? You know, people are always looking for something to look to or to reach out to or to grab onto or to put their faith in or to put their trust in, especially during tough times. People just go looking for anything they could grab onto, the latest whatever. You notice that? I mean, it's true. People just look for anything in the world, anything in creation, even the stars or the universe or whatever, to, to grab onto, to hold on to, to find answers in, to find peace. To the extent, these people, to the very extent of worshiping what could be out there. I mean, they're even worshiping an idol of something that might be out there. I mean, that's bizarre, isn't it? It's like, what? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like we worship something that is undiscovered, the unknown God, just in case there's one out there we missed, right? Probably a few, but we're just going to, you know, worship this one idol that represents all those unknown things that we don't know anything about. And so Paul declares to all of these guys, these Jews, God-fearing Greeks, these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, these are smart people, right, that are gathered together, and he proclaims to them some truth. Some solid truth. And here's some of the things Paul proclaims. He says to them, God made everything. The world and the heavens are the work of God's hand. Like this is to people who, who worship all kinds of other things in place of God in these departments, right? They've departmentalized everything and they're worshiping all kinds of stuff that represent other things that have been created. And Paul says, there's one God and he made it all. And, he said, and Paul says, God is the one who gives life, and God is the one who gives breath, and God is the one who, from one man, Adam, made all the nations. Now, Paul is proclaiming to them Genesis 1, the creation account of God, to confirm with, for you and me and to them that it was God who set it all in motion. It was God who created everything that there is and created man in his own image. And so in their hearing today, they're hearing Paul say the God of creation and the writings of Moses are exactly as they are. They're the truth. God made this one man, Adam, 
and from him all nations came. Paul goes on to proclaim that God does not need us. He doesn't need us to to do anything for him. We need him, right? That's what we need. We need him. God is not blessed to have me. I am blessed to have him. I am not worthy of him. I don't deserve God. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve anything. I deserve punishment and and hell and, and to be separated from God for my behavior, my actions. It's by his grace I stand here saved in front of you. I need him. He doesn't need me. God created all things, Paul says. God created all things. He created and us so that, for reason, so that we would know him. God created us so that we would have a relationship with him, that we would reach out to him. Look what he says in the text. Even though he's not far, but he's near, and he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to, to come after him, to want to know him, to, to put effort, right, Cole? And, uh, and uh, over here, Tyler, right? Put effort into knowing him, right? So we've been talking about upstairs. God desires us to be, and get this, his offspring, his family, kin, the word there is in the Greek is genos. And what it, the word genos is going to come up in, in, our, in our other point, but that word has to do with the stuff that we're made of, our DNA. When he says, you are my offspring, he's saying, you are, you are part of me. That's huge. That's big. It's intense. And Paul is declaring that the creator is out there, right? And he says to these people, God expects us to use our minds, right? And to use reason because we have no excuse for not knowing him and that he has set a day for judgment and that God has topped off all of the evidence, not just the created evidence and other pieces of evidence that show that he is out there, but he has topped it off in the evidence of his son Jesus by raising him from the dead. How how amazing is that? Paul says to all these really smart people, Jesus, Jesus will judge the world. You will stand before this Jesus. And how do they respond to what Paul has to say to them? Well, look at verse 32 and 33 and 34. Some sneered at Paul. Some mocked him and, and threw insults back at him. They didn't believe him. They didn't want to hear this. They put their hands over their ears. They didn't want to hear. Others said, we want to hear more. This is interesting. We want to know more. It's a good answer. And then others put their faith in Jesus. So others put their faith in God. Some believed Dionysus and Damaris and a number of others. Believed believed in Jesus, believed in this Jesus that Paul was proclaiming as God, as creator, as the one who is out there. The creation, the creation screams the creator is out there. Paul proclaimed that the creator God is out there. There's a story that came up, I saw on the news, about these two, about these two young people. Uh, Tyler Smith and Heather Brown. Maybe you saw this story. They're calling it a miracle at sea. Miracle at sea. Anybody see the story? Two young people, Florida coast, swimming out, swimming out there by themselves, get sucked out into the ocean. Now they're miles away. They're a long way away. And all they can think is that we're, we're dead. 
We're done. I mean, we're going to die. They're out there for, for longer than anybody could be out there swimming. And a boat happens to come by and spot them. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on the ocean. On a nice, calm day, you can see quite a bit. But if there's waves, you can't see much at all. I mean, everything just blends into the waves, the white water, the, the rippling water, the waves crashing. You can't see anything. But they spot these two kids swimming out there. And the headline says, the headline of the story says, God is real. Teens who prayed while stranded at sea rescued. Rescued by a boat. They prayed while they were out there. God, if you're out there, help us. God, save us. God, just, we can't do this without you. You know what the name of the boat was? Amen. The name of the boat was Amen. That's insane, isn't it? I mean, it's just two young people out there having a good time, but basically crying out, God, if you're out there, we need you. And God answers. And he proves to them that he's out there. One more time, God gives two people personal evidence that he cares, that he hears, and that he's out there. Father, we love you so much, and we're grateful that you love us. And this morning, as we, as we think about this question, is there anybody out there? We know, or we have come to, to understand, we have concluded in our hearts, at least most of us, that you are. We know that you are. I pray, Father, that that, that would become more than just an answer in our minds, but that answer in our minds will motivate our heart and our life to live lives that represent the answer that we have. That we not only believe that you are out there, but that you're involved in our lives, that you move, you hear us, you answer prayer, you step in when you choose to, and that you're all around us using us for your glory. Father, help us to see you in everything that we are a part of. Help us to see you in everything that we look at. And as we look out into the world, God, help us to just see the evidence of your mighty work. Help us to listen to the scripture as Paul declares that the God who made the heavens and the earth wants us to be near him. Father, help us to move closer to you, to pursue you with everything in our lives. We love you so much, and we know you love us. We just give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.